You're listening to the Love Radio Network Worldwide. LoveRadioNetwork.com. Educational, inspirational, trending topics, and the hottest hits. With award-winning talk show host and personality. And you made us number one. Thank you. Love Radio Network. Building a network of love. Ambassador Everett Robinson presents Final Authority, Mondays at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, teaching a sound biblical perspective that is solely based upon the authority scripture alone. Final Authority with Ambassador Everett Robinson, Mondays at 9 o'clock p.m. on LoveRadioNetwork.com. Welcome to another live Monday. We made it back in time to do another live show. This is the final authority. You have tuned in to www.loveradionetwork.com. This is your host, Ambassador Everett, hosting the final authority. We are very excited about what we're going to be sharing with you today. Um, I want you to know, excuse me, the final authority, we air live every Monday. 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, and 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're trying to reach many different areas that we possibly can to unfold the glorification of the biblical Messiah, Jesus the Christ, the unique Son of the living God. Well, uh, we are... Um, going to prepare ourselves to deal with part two on uh, dealing with justified by the blood of Christ. Justified by the blood of Christ. So we'll deal with that today. But before we go into our subject matter, we'll have a word of prayer. Then we'll spring from there to edify you in the very word of God. This message is going to be so edifying and so refreshing for those of us who are in Christ, for those who have come to true, genuine, authentic faith in the biblical Messiah, trusting in his death, his shed blood, his burial, his resurrection, and holding fast to he's the one that's been highly exalted and glorified and seated at the right hand of the Father. It's going to be so refreshing and edifying to you. Well, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we look to you as the risen Savior, our great and mighty Redeemer who has redeemed us to the Father by thy blood. We look to you as the one who is highly exalted, glorified, and now seated at the right hand of the Father as our great high priest and as our advocate, the one who ever lives to make intercession for us, the author and finisher of our faith. We believe on you. We confess you as our Lord, Savior, and Redeemer, for you has redeemed us to the Father by thy blood, robed us in your perfect righteousness which we have received and embraced fully by faith. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you as the spirit of truth that you proceed from both the Father and the Son, that you ever liveth in us, you work in us, and you empower us to glorify Christ and to edify other body of believers in the faith. And we yield to you, Holy Spirit, that we may truly be a vessel to and for the glorification and the exaltation of the Lord Jesus the Christ and to be a vessel whereby we can minister to the body of believers in Christ to build them up to edify them father and I pray that we would become more and more um into the knowledge of the son of God unto a more perfect mature man in Christ and that we truly indeed endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace we thank you for your word oh God we look to you as the most high eternal God our Father, Soul, Provider, and Giver of Life. It's only on the merits of Christ and under the banner of His shed blood that we can come into Your divine, holy presence, Father, and be accepted by You. We thank You, Father. You declared us righteous once and for all, having sealed us with the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. May Your Word, Father, dwell in us richly in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We pray the eyes of our understanding is flooded with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. 
We pray that we're filled with your Holy Spirit to overflow. We pray your will be done, your word prosper, and may the body of Christ be edified in the word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to go into this. Part two, dealing with justified by the blood of Christ. One thing we're going to do before we read our foundational text out of Romans chapter, what would I do? I'll go ahead and read it first. I'll go ahead and read it. It's Romans chapter 5, starting at verse uh, 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet, peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended or demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being now reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. All right, that's our foundational text. So we're looking at here, uh, when you read the book of Romans, you'll see Paul uses what is called um, forensic terminology, or known as judicial terminology, legal terms, because he is what he's picturing here is um, a court case, and he's looking at God the Almighty, Most High, Eternal, as the righteous judge of the earth. And that he, as a righteous judge, must, in his righteousness, condemn sin. For, in fact, he brings out in chapter 1 that the wrath of God is revealed against all. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You see, here's the thing. God has given a revelation to man via his creation and via through the proclamation of the gospel. And no man before God is without excuse. In the context of Romans chapter 1, again, it says, verse 18, the wrath of God. God who is holy, God who is just, God who is by very nature love, God who's merciful, God who, who is compassionate, God who has grace, the God of all grace, but yet on the other side of the coin, as it were, he is a God of wrath. He must, as the righteous judge of the earth, as the most high, eternal, holy God must condemn sin. And so here, Paul says the wrath of God is revealed against, from heaven, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So there are some who can talk very, very um, well, articulate their words, fascinate you with their words, and sound very persuasive. But yet they have these degrees, they're knowledgeable, but yet they deny the reality of God and so on, and God's fingerprint is all over creation. They're suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. It goes on and says in verse 19 of Romans chapter 1, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. So if God showed you something, he knows what he showed you. You can deny it all you want. But God has shown you his handiwork, his signature, his fingerprint, all in his creation. It goes on and says, because that which may be known of God as manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So we're looking at a people 
who have revelation from God, but yet they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And they can sound very persuasive to you in your mind, but whatever God showed them, he who knows all things, the most high eternal God, who is omnipresent everywhere at one and the same time, who's omnipotent, all powerful, who's all wise. And he knows what you understood that was revealed to you that you suppressing and you are without excuse when you stand before him in his court of law. And so here in the book of Romans, we're going to see what Paul uses terms uh, conveying a court case. And so in chapter 2, also in chapter 3, he shows just how both Jew and Gentile all sinned. And they were held uh, in custody by sin. So he mentioned also in Romans chapter 3, uh, he talks about uh, the law of God and how man violated the law of God and so on. And he goes on and says uh, in uh, chapter 3, verse 9, he says, What then? Are we better than they? No, and no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. So here is the Apostle Paul here in one of the letters attributed to him, namely the book of Romans, is addressing the sinfulness of Israel as a whole and the sinfulness of the Gentiles or the heathens as a whole that all humanity have been plunged into sin and is in custody and held captive by sin. So he says in verse 9, what then are we better than they? No, in no wise we have before pulled proved both Jew and Gentile that they are all under sin. Then he goes on and says, there is none righteous, no, not one. So none within themselves, of themselves, and by themselves are righteous. Then he goes on in chapter 3, he says in verse 19, now we know that what things soever the law saith, it said to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, closed shut, and all the world may become guilty before God. So all the world, all, is guilty before God. The law is God's perfect standard. It is holy, it's just, it's perfect. So the law of God, nothing wrong with the law of God. The problem is sinful man could not measure up to to keep God's law perfectly. Thus, he violated God's law, and the law of God demands what? Death. For your sin against the most high eternal holy God. He says, now we know that whatsoever the law saith, it said to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped. That word stop means closed shut. Think about if you were standing in the presence of the most high eternal righteous judge of all the earth who knows all things, sees all things, and all wise and all powerful, and now you're in this court of law, and now what would you say before him? You, you can't say, you, your mouth be closed shut because you can't justify yourself. You cannot uh, redeem yourself because you are an offender. He goes on and says, uh, after he says, uh, every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty or accountable before God. Yes, all the world is guilty. He goes on and says in verse 20, Therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So the law, what it did, it magnified your sinfulness. All right? And by the deeds of the law, you could not be justified by any works or deeds as prescribed by the law because you sin. So you can't hide behind the deeds because your sins remain. So it says, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So it says all are guilty. Going to chapter 5 real quickly here. Look what he says in verse, we're going to look at verse uh, 12. He says, wherefore as by one man sin entered the world that the one man that refers to Adam and death by sin so once Adam sinned then sin entered the world and death by sin so death passed upon all men for all have sinned so now so the sin of Adam infected and affected the whole human race and not only that all have sinned. You have also sinned, and you're guilty before the Most High, Eternal, Righteous Judge of all the earth. And the law of God says, in, 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 uh, according to Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. 
All right, so the, the penalty for sin is what? Death. That's the wages they pay. Death. So you can't save or redeem yourself from this eternal separation from God. Death. But watch what he says, though. We're gonna, in fact, let me look at something else real quick in verse 19 of Romans. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. That's referring back to Adam, the one willful, disobedient act of Adam because Adam was the federal head of the human race. And we were in Adam. So because of Adam's sin, sin entered the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men and then all have sinned. So you can't just blame Adam. You sin yourself. Now, we're going to look at this over here in Romans chapter 6, excuse me, chapter 5, verse, verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, powerless, in due time Christ died for who? The ungodly. So we're dealing with the biblical Messiah. He died for who? For the ungodly. In their place on their behalf. Christ died for who? The ungodly. The ungodly was those who had no reverence for God, who would come under God's wrath and judgment. But it says that Christ died for who? The ungodly. That's us. We all were in a position of ungodliness before God. He goes on and says in verse 8, but God commended his love toward us in that while we're yet sinners Christ died for us so God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we're yet sinners Christ died for us well how is it that God committed his love toward us what does it got to do with Christ dying for us because it was the father God who was the one that sent his beloved unique son to come and take your place so that you can come under the wrath and judgment of God instead of you come under the wrath and judgment of God Christ would take the wrath and judgment of God for you in your place and die for your sins but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us Christ died for us. So he came in human flesh to take upon a human body so that he then can go in our place, just as Hebrews 2, 9 says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. So he was made a little lower than the angels. This referring to the fact of the incarnation of Christ, that Christ, prior to him being made a little lower than the angels, he was with the Father in what we call eternity past. Prior to the creation of the heaven and the earth, Christ was with the Father. For an example, St. John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says these words, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will. Of all that he has given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up at the last day. So here, Christ made the claim, he came down from heaven. Now, in order for him to come down from heaven, he had to be there up in heaven, because he can't come down from where he never was. So he was there in heaven with the Father. And we read, like, for an example, um, in St. John chapter 17, verse 5, uh, when Jesus was praying, And now, Holy Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So before the world was and existed, before this world came into existence by creation, by the word of the unique Son of the living God, he was with the Father before the world was in total, complete fellowship, communion, with the Father. And so it was the Father that sent the Son to take upon human flesh. In the book of Hebrews 10, it says, A body hast thou prepared to me. That body that Christ was prepared for by the Father, that body was given to Christ in what is known as the virgin birth. So through his mother, Mary, he received a body to tabernacle in. And in that body, he walked the earth in perfect obedience to the Father. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, according to the book of Romans chapter 8. And the Bible says, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. You see, 
Jesus Christ took upon that fleshly body and ultimately was nailed to the cross and lifted up on that cross. Now watch this. All of my sins and your sins was placed on him. And on that cross, he was judged for our sins in our place. We just read that God committed his love toward us. Why? Because God wants that fellowship with us. But God can fellowship with us in the state of what? Being spiritually dead and alienated from him, dead in our trespasses and sins. But the fact is that Christ came up under the wrath and judgment of God and died for us. He satisfied the wrath and the judgment of God for fallen humanity. And it goes on, it says in verse 9 of Romans chapter 5, much more than, much more than being now, watch this, justified by his blood. Justified how? By his blood. Wait a minute. Just being now? Yes, now. Justified how? By his blood. You're not justified based upon your ethnicity. You're not justified based upon your nationality. You're not justified based upon your blood type. You're not, you're not justified based upon any ceremonial ritual that you may perform. You're not justified based upon your observation of the Torah. You're not justified based upon any work that you do. It is by the blood of Christ being now justified. Now listen to this. Justify, this also means that you have been declared righteous. You've been acquitted of every charge and declared righteous, and now the Father God treats you as though you have never sinned. You're treated by the Father in his court of law as though you have been never sinned, as you never sinned because you've been what? Justified by his blood. So we're dealing with the shed blood of Christ. Did you not know and do you not understand that Jesus Christ, by his death and shed blood, he has inaugurated a new testament that's in his blood. He even says that as recorded in Matthew 26, verse 28. This is my blood which is shed for the remission of the sins of many. My blood. This is the new testament in my blood which is shed for the remission of sins of many. The new test, this is the New Testament. This is not the Old Testament. This is totally different from the testament that God gave Moses for the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. This is the New Testament. You are justified by his blood. Declared righteous. By what? The blood of Christ. That blood. Peter says, we were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and blemish. That's what Peter says. Very clear. You'll find that in 1 Peter chapter 1. Starting at verse 18 through 20. The precious blood of Christ. Why? That precious holy blood was the only blood that was shed from his body on that cross. Not only to do away with your sins forever. But everything that was written against you, which is contrary to you, he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Colossians 2.14. And then he has what? Obtained redemption. So he has obtained redemption for you by the shedding of his blood. So now by virtue of what Christ has done and fulfilled in the copper for you, he willingly laid his life down on the cross for you, nailed on the cross, all your sins and everything you could have ever done in your ever life was placed on Christ and he was stricken, smitten of God and afflicted on that rugged cross. Wow. But now, being now justified by what? His blood. Not by what tribe you identify to be in. None of that is all by his blood. He says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. The we, who is the we? The we are those who have placed faith in Christ. All right, let me show you something. I'm going to go back to chapter uh, 4. This is so crucial. Chapter 4, verse 25, the first word is who referred to Christ. Christ was delivered for our offenses. Again, we were the offenders. Again, court case, we're the offenders. He was delivered for our offenses in our place and was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith. Wait a minute. Christ was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification? Yes. This is what Paul says here. You have to remember, he didn't always believe this. 
He came into the revelation of the gospel. He came into the revelation of what actually literally occurred and what was fulfilled and accomplished via the crucifixion, the death, the shed blood, the birth, and the resurrection of Jesus the Christ. He says very clearly, Christ was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Therefore, therefore, in view of the fact that he was delivered for our offenses, therefore, in view of the fact that he was raised again for our justification, being justified by faith. Do you believe and trust and rest your faith upon the death, the birth, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? It said, therefore, being justified by faith. So now this justification is now received, what? By faith in the finished redemptive work of Christ. Therefore, being justified by faith, faith in his death, his birth, and his resurrection, we have peace with God. So now I enjoy a full peace relationship with God. Watch this. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So now the righteousness, this declaration of uh, being right with God is solely contingent upon the fact that you have come to a true genuine faith that you rest upon the death, the shed blood, the birth, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is not attained any other way other than the faith that you have received through the hearing of the gospel. The gospel, the good news, what Christ done for you. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. See, you are at peace with God. So now you are in the very favor of God by virtue of the fact that you came to faith and trust in Christ. You've been washed from all your sins, robed in his righteousness. You've been declared righteous and sealed with the Holy Spirit. This is all because of the precious blood of Christ. See, all this is available, but it's only appropriated by faith, not by your ability, your performance, or your self-effort. Not based upon any religious ceremony or ritual you go through. Not observing any of the holidays or the feast days or any other thing. It only comes by a true, genuine faith in Christ. It's not based upon any work that you do or anyone that can do any work for you. It's all by faith in Christ. God has designed this. God was the one who instituted and established the order that he, um, through the writings of the apostle, that we must embrace. This is so amazing that Paul had this revelation. Therefore, being just justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you have his righteousness now imputed or credited to you. Let me show you something. Let me take you back to chapter uh, 4 of Romans. In chapter 4, he brings it out so crucial. He says now in, in chapter 4, verse 1, What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he has whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted or credited him for righteousness. Now here the apostle Paul goes back prior to him ever being to uh, Abraham being circumcised, and this is four hundred and something years prior to the law of Moses. This is not this here has nothing to do with the Torah. The law. Watch what he said. What said the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. So he's using Abraham as an illustration. Watch what he says here. Verse 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. To him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. What does this mean? To him that worketh is the reward. Well, let me give you an illustration. So you get employed. So now you get paid a certain amount of hour, maybe your own salary or what have you. At a certain point in time, based upon the fact that you fulfilled your job description and responsibility, uh, they pay you. You get paid. That check, you work for it. You fulfilled an, uh, a job responsibility and description, and now they pay you. They pay you, this is an act of an obligation. They reward you with your check for the works of service for the time you put in with the company, on behalf of the company. That is not grace. This is an obligation. They owe you. 
Because if they don't pay you after you put your work in, uh, you'll let them know. I'll see you in court. Why? Because I work for that. You owe me. Well, watch what he says, verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Listen to what it says. To him that worketh not, but believes on him. We're talking about something, this not anything, any work you perform for this. You didn't put any self-effort in for this to earn this. Because this is not, it can't be possibly earned. But to him that worketh not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. See, your faith is counted for righteousness. The faith you have is the faith that God has given you through the hearing of the gospel. Because when you heard the message of the gospel, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. What's that? The word of the gospel. So that faith now that you rest upon Christ. So just like Abraham believed God and there was a righteousness that was credited to him, he was now in a right standing with God because of his faith. Same thing, Paul here uses Abraham as a clear-cut illustration and example how he received a, what, imputation of righteousness with declared righteousness based on his faith. And the same thing where you are concerned. He says, to him that worketh not, but believes in him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Then he says, even as David, also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes or credits righteousness without works. So not only did he go to the writings of Moses, all right, which is written in the Torah, he goes to prophet David, who's known also as a king, and how David describes a blessed of righteousness being credited to men without works. Why? It's accepted by faith. All by faith. Now watch this. We're going to go down further here. Now, we're going to look at something over here in um, verse 9 of Romans. Does this blessing come upon the circumcision, the Jews that practice circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision, the Gentiles also? For we say that faith, that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How or when was it reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Then he answers, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. What is he doing? He's showing that the ceremonial ritual of circumcision did not bring righteousness. Because Abraham received, what, the imputation of righteousness, and it was not contingent upon circumcision or any self-effort works of his own. He says, and he, verse 11, received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith. A seal of the righteousness of faith. It was not based on what, based on faith, even back then, which he, Abraham, had, being yet uncircumcised, that he, Abraham, might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Listen, my brothers and sisters. There is a perfect, flawless righteousness that have been imputed or credited to you. This is the perfect, flawless righteousness of Christ. You see, Jesus the Christ, the unique Son of the living God, is holy and without blame before the Father. And now you have come to faith and you trust in and rest your faith upon his death, his shed blood, his birth, his resurrection. You rest your faith upon the good news of what Christ fulfilled and accomplished for you on your behalf. When you come to faith and you trust and you place that faith in the biblical Messiah, Jesus the Christ, listen, brothers and sisters, there is a righteousness of Christ that is imputed or credited to you. Not based upon how good you may have been, because you can't be that good where you attain it. No one have. Why? Because all have sinned. So there's a, a gift of righteousness that's credited to you. When this righteousness is credited to you, listen, Christ not only washed you from all your sins in his own blood, but listen, you have now been redeemed by his blood and now fully robed in his perfect, flawless righteousness. And now you have a perfect right standing whereby you stand before God, the Father, holy and without blame. And now that you have the righteousness of his son imputed to you, the Father God has now declared you righteous once and for all, for time and eternity. That's it. So you have a perfect positional right standing with God by faith. 
And it says that Abram is the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised. Then he goes on and says this. <laughs> he says that righteousness might be imputed unto them that believe. Verse 12. Abraham, the father of the circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had been yet uncircumcised. See, there were some Jews that was trying to rest their right standing with God up on the ceremonial ritual of circumcision. In fact, in Acts of the Apostles, you read where that there were certain um, uh, Jewish Pharisees which believed they said it was necessary to circumcise the Gentiles and to command them to keep the law of Moses. We told them, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. So they're basing a salvation upon the ceremonial ritual of circumcision per the law of Moses. But here, we're looking at Christ, God's beloved son has come, tabernacled in human flesh, walked in perfect obedience and fulfilled every aspect of the law perfectly, never missed at all in thought, word, or deed. And he goes to the cross, lifted up on the cross, all your sins placed on him, and he satisfied the judgment of God fully and paid your sin debt in full. And the Father God substantiated that he was well pleased and accepted the sacrifice and the offering of his son, Jesus Christ, on your behalf and the shedding of his blood, that he raised his son, Jesus, from the dead for your justification. And then he highly exalted his son and had his son now sit on his right hand in the heavenly places far above all. Why did the Father God exalt his son far above all and had his son sit down? Because the son finished all that the Father sent him to do on your behalf in your place. And it's accepted. Done deal. So now there's a righteousness that's imputed to anyone. It's not limited to any particular ethnic group of people or any uh, one who, who identifies in this particular tribe or limited to a nation. This is open to all human, fallen humanity. No matter your ethnicity, your nationality, no matter what part of this planet you live on, if you hear the true gospel message of the biblical Messiah, Jesus the Christ, and you come to faith and trust in him, you will have not only your sins blotted out, but you have his perfect righteousness credited to you, and you will be declared righteous and looked upon with favor by the Father. Watch this. I'm going to show you something. This is so powerful. So you walk in the steps of that faith of Abraham. The same way he believed God, you believe God. You heard the gospel, you believe it. Now, he goes on and he says, uh, verse uh, 13, Romans 4, for the promise that Abraham should be what? Heir of the world, not just of one nation of people, of the world. The promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, through the Torah. Folks trying to base it up on the law. But through the righteousness of faith. Whoa. What? Through the righteousness of faith. It is a righteousness that you receive by faith, not limited to your ethnicity or your nationality or your bloodline or your haplogroup or your genealogy or your gender or your status. It's all by faith. It is a righteousness that you receive by faith through the hearing of the gospel. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. No need for faith. Why? Because the, the law is not of faith. And the promise is made not of faith. The law works wrath. He goes on and says in verse 16 of Romans chapter 4, Therefore it is of faith, it was not by the law, that it might be by grace. Did you hear that? It's of faith. That it, so this was God designed that way. You can't earn this. That it might be what? By grace. Something you can't earn or deserve. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. The promise might be sure to see all who believe will receive the imputation of righteousness. This is the promise. That the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to that which is of the law, Israel, the Jews, but to that which also is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, not just father of Israel, the father of us all. Well, all them that believe. He makes that very clear. So also uh, in uh, the book of Galatians, uh, that is verse 28 and 29, Paul says, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. 
there's neither male nor female, for for we are all one in Christ Jesus. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So because you have come to faith and trust in Christ, and the fact that Christ has redeemed you, you've been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. You now belong to Christ. And now that you belong to Christ, you become an heir. Man, what a blessing. You inherit a perfect righteousness. In fact, I'm going to take you real quickly to uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse uh, 13 and 14. Paul says for, in fact, I'll read verse 8 first. And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the heathen through what? Faith. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Shall what? All nations. Not just one, all nations. So we're dealing with all nations. People of various ethnicities. They're going to be blessed. What is this blessing for all nations? For all people of all ethnicities. It's the blessing is a righteousness that is imputed to them because they believe the gospel. And these shall all nations be blessed. So this blessing is going to come as a result of your being joined to the biblical Messiah. He goes on and says, so then they which are of faith are blessed with faith for Abraham. Very clear. Go to verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, that the blessing of Abraham. What is the blessing of Abraham? It is righteousness being credited. Abraham believed God and was credited to him for righteousness. That's a blessing. So it says in verse 6 of, of, of Galatians chapter 3, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. The right of faith is anyone. It's not limited to one particular group of people. This is open to all fallen humanity. It says, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, watch this, through Jesus Christ. We're talking about the finished work of Christ. He just mentioned that Christ redeemed us, so it'll come through Christ and what he done for us. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, of other people of other nations outside of Israel. It comes on them through what? Jesus Christ. It's not coming through uh, being a proselyte into Judaism. It don't come through the ritual of circumcision and observation of the Torah. It comes through a genuine heart, faith, and trusting in Christ that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. There it is again. Justified. Thank you, Lord. This is faith. So we receive this promise through faith. And going back to Romans where it says in chapter uh, 5, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what Christ has done, what's available for Father humanity, is this redemption and this salvation and justification, but it only can be appropriated by faith in Christ and in his finished work on the cross. That's it. There's no, there's absolutely no other way. It's all through a genuine faith. Now, let me go back to Romans chapter 3 real quickly. Now, notice he says something right here. He says, in verse 20, we deal with um, by, the knowledge of, by the laws of knowledge of sin. He goes on and says in verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So he said, we can go to the writings of the Torah and the prophets to see that there was a righteousness that had nothing to do with the law. Well, we did read that earlier when we read in Romans chapter 4 when he talks about what said the scripture, Abraham believed God, it was counted for righteousness. Well, Moses wrote that. That's in the Torah. Moses wrote about Abraham receiving righteousness. It had nothing to do with circumcision or law. These talks about even as David, goes to the prophet David, describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness without works. See, you, you, you've been trying to attain this perfect standing and you can't do it. It's given to you as a gift from God through faith in Christ. So you are to walk and to live by faith in Christ and in his finished, sacrificial, substitutionary, redemptive death and shed blood on the cross. 
Like Paul says, he says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I still have the same body, but I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, by the Torah, the nomos, then Christ died in vain. We're saying, I'm living by faith in the finished work of Christ. He loved me. He gave himself for me. Yes, he did. He gave himself as an offering and a sacrifice to God on my behalf and satisfied the wrath and the judgment of God on my behalf. And now that he was buried, he rose again the third day. I rest my faith on him. And now he has redeemed me by his blood, washed me from my sins. And now the Holy Spirit joined me to Christ. I inherit his righteousness. And now Christ brings me into God's court of law. And the Father God has declared you righteous once and for all. So you have a perfect right standing with God forever. Because you're joined to Christ. It's not because of your perfection of your good works. Good works is good to do and, and by virtue of the fact that we have a true genuine faith, we are, the, we are God's workmanship result in good works. But good works cannot save you. You're saved based upon the good work of Christ on the cross via his death, shed blood, burial, and resurrection. You have to stand on that. So here, we almost finished. We're going through Romans chapter uh, 3 real quickly here where he says in verse uh, 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto who? All and upon all them that believe. So it's unto all, but those that's going to experience it and receive it, because they appropriated faith in Christ. It's unto all and upon all them what? That believe for there is no difference. There is no difference. So there's no. Di it doesn't make any difference whether you are Jew, Greek, no matter your ethnicity. This salvation and righteousness that's available solely contingent upon what Christ done is available to anyone. Okay? So, so he said, watch this. He says, for there is no difference. That's what we're dealing with. He just showed early in the earlier verses that the Jews was just as bad off as the Gentiles. Just as off because they broke God's law and covenant. So they come under the judgment and they're guilty and nobody can boast before God. But then he says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All Jew and Gentile, the whole of humanity, all have sinned and come short. No one measured up to God's perfect glorious standard it goes on and says in verse 24 being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus again he emphasizes this being justified freely by his grace so it says in chapter 5 verse 1 being justified uh, by faith right here he says justified by his grace and in chapter 5 verse 9 he says justified by his blood why yes this is all God's grace provision of his grace that can be appropriated by the exercising of faith that we have received through the gospel that we placed in Christ. So my brothers and sisters, you place faith in Christ, you've been declared righteous. God looks upon you with favor, being justified freely. Freely means without cause. It didn't cost you anything. Freely. But it cost God, son. By his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. My brothers and sisters, you've been justified by his blood. Not only have you been justified, you've been redeemed by his blood. This is all dealing with the result of what Christ has done and fulfilled. We're going to go to chapter 1 of Colossians real quickly here. We're going to look at something that's very powerful in the book of Colossians. In the book of Colossians, it goes on and says, uh, verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us fit and suitable to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who the Father has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. This is amazing. We have what? 
in whom in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. So solely contingent upon the redemptive shed blood of Christ, not only are our sins forgiven, but based upon that, the Father has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, solely based upon the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ. He goes on and says, verse 16, by him, that's by Christ, he's the image of the invisible God, were all things created. Wow, he's creator. That are in heaven, that are on earth, in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they are thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So all things were created by Christ and for Christ. He is creator. Not only is he Lord, Savior, and Redeemer, he is creator. Can't get around it. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So he is not only creator, he's before all things, and by him all things consist. Did you not know he upholds all creation? He is the head of the, of the body, the church. So the church is the body of Christ. Christ is the head of the church, the called out body of believers, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Christ should all fullness dwell. Here it is, verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Wow. So this is powerful. Verse 20 of Colossians chapter 1. Having made peace through what? The blood of his cross. The word peace there means to mend together that which was separated and alienated. We were alienated and separated from God through what Christ done through the cross, the blood of his cross, that blood that was shared from his body on that rugged cross, he made peace. We now have peace with God. This kind of reminds me of also um, what Paul says in the book of Ephesians, which is so perfectly uh, aligned together in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, verse 11, he talks about how the Gentiles were called uncircumcision and the Jews were called circumcision. And he says, at that time, you Gentiles, you were, you were without Christ. You were alien from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, solely contingent upon what Christ done, watch it, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. See, not only are we made nigh, not only are we justified, but we're redeemed all by the blood of Christ. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. He's our peace. Who has made both one. He made both Jew and Gentile. In this context right here, in this verse, it was Jew and Gentile that was at enmity and separated, but now Christ made them both one. He goes on and says in verse 15, verse 14, he broke down the middle wall petition, the wall that separated Jew and Gentile. Verse 15, he abolished in his flesh the enmity, that very thing that brought a distinction and that in broader enmity between Jew and Gentile. It says the law of commandments contained in ordinances, he abolished it to make in himself of twain, of two different people groups, one new man so making peace. Now we're all one. Now we have peace with God. We now have peace with one another in Christ and that he, Christ, might reconcile both Jew and Gentile unto God in one body by the cross. It's by what Christ done on the cross. See, you can't get away from looking to what Christ fulfilled and accomplished on the cross. Because if it wasn't for the cross, there'd be absolutely, unequivocally, no hope for no one in humanity. It's all the cross. Paul says it this way in the book of Titus, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. He says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to what? His mercy, he saved us 
by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, unquote. Powerful. So we're talking about a true, genuine, authentic faith in Jesus Christ. My beloved brothers and sisters, I'm exhorting you under the banner of the name and of the blood of the biblical Messiah, Jesus Christ, be steadfast and unmovable in your faith in the finished work of Christ. It's a done deal. See, Christ paid it all in full. This wasn't a temporary, it's not a temporary salvation. It's not a temporary redemption. Christ is the author of eternal salvation, and he has obtained eternal redemption. Let me show you something real quickly. See, because you already sit in heavenly place in Christ Jesus. It's already set. It's a done deal. Man, this is so wonderful. In Ephesians, we'll be closing out pretty soon. Um, because of the fact that you're joined to Christ, you heard the true gospel, and you come to faith in Christ. Listen to what he says right here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. In Christ, you also trusted, you Gentiles, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of the salvation. So after they heard the word of truth, faith came and they trusted that gospel message with Christ done via his death, shed blood, burn, resurrection. In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So now you now have a seal on you that you stamped as belonging to God forever. This is why sin and uh, the powers of darkness have no legal claim to you no more because you now heard the word of truth and you believe the gospel. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Watch this. Which is the which is what the earnest of our inheritance. That word earnest is the guarantee. It, it, it's, it's a business term in the Greek and it conveys the idea of a down payment that you make as a promissory note and a binding agreement to make the full Redemption of it to bring forth the other balance of the money so that now it's paid for in all, in full. We you talking about? Watch this. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, the guarantee of our inheritance. So he put down the Holy Spirit upon you as an earnest of what? Our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Until the redemption of the purchased possession. You and I have been purchased by the blood of Christ. That is, we've been re redeemed and fully paid for in full by Christ on the cross. Now that we've been redeemed and we come to faith in what he done, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit. Watch this which is the earnest of our inheritance until the what? Redemption. There's a coming redemption also. That is, the coming redemption is the redemption of our physical body. As Paul says in the book of Philippians chapter 3, he says, our vile body shall be fashioned like unto his glorious body. So when he returns back, we get a new glorified body. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this mortal shall put on immortality. This corruption must put on incorruption. So we get an incorruptible body. No more pain, no more sorrow. It'd be a glorified body. It'd be fashioned like unto the glorious body of the resurrected Lord Jesus the Christ. So the fact that God sealed you with the Holy Spirit, watch this, which is the earnest of our inheritance until. So he sealed you till this take place. Why? He sealed you for the purpose of getting what? A redeemed, glorified body. That's going to happen. You're already seated and having a place in Christ Jesus according to Ephesians chapter 2. He raised you up together and made you sit together and have a place in Christ Jesus. All because the blood of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Well, we're going to close out. Thank you for tuning in to the final authority. We will see you next time on the final authority spread the word remember god's word is god's final court of arbitration the word of the living god and remember jesus the christ the unique son of the living god is lord of all god bless
Robinson presents Final Authority, Mondays at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, teaching a sound biblical perspective that is solely based upon the authority scripture alone. Final Authority with Ambassador Everett Robinson, Mondays at 9 o'clock p.m. on LoveRadioNetwork.com. You're listening to the Love Radio Network Worldwide. LoveRadioNetwork.com Educational, inspirational, trending topics, and the hottest hits. With award-winning talk show host and personality. And you made us number one. Thank you. Love Radio Network. Building a network of love.